if I strip back to the basics, I wake up in the morning, I think clearly, I'll like, but like, that's not even a question. I just want to experience shit. That's what I always wanted to do. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kodakara Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed Jack, who is an incoming jet assistant language teacher. Fortunately, since this podcast was recorded, the jet program has been postponed for this year. So we're not really sure when he's going to get his placement and when he's going to go to Japan. But in this episode, we dive deep into his motivations for wanting to study Japanese and go to Japan. So starting with his experience studying abroad in Hokkaido, where I actually visited him one summer. And we also talk about his future predictions for JET and what he hopes to get out of JET. So if you're thinking about teaching English in Japan or you're just curious about what kind of person would want to teach English in Japan, then definitely check out this podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Korekara. We are here with a special guest. We are here with our main man, Jack, an incoming JET who has yet to experience anything. So let's go and explore all his deepest, darkest secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jack's actually uh, one of my oldest friends. Like We've been friends since the sixth grade, I think. But we went to different colleges. And Jack got in Japan first, and he's like one of the people that got me into Japan too. Hey guys, this is Jack. Really happy to be on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I'm actually a huge fan of the Curly Cutout podcast. Uh, ever since Eric told me about it, I've been following each episode, and I'm so excited to be on the show and talk to you guys about my experiences in Japan. Yeah, guys. Yeah, guys, if you ever wanted, to, if you guys ever felt like you wanted to come on, don't worry. You guys can. Jack made it here, so it doesn't, that means you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. can too. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Yeah. All right, let's get into it, though. Let's get into it. So let's, let's kind of get into kind of your backstory, I guess. Like, so what got you into Japan? What got you into the area where it's like, I want to go there? Yeah, so freshman year, summer, I wasn't doing much at home. And then my friend, um, who, who just came back from a trip to Hokkaido, told me about, like, all these amazing things, like food he had, all the cute girls he met. Um, <laughs> and then... And then oh, I didn't know that. He no, like no, just like on the street, you know, just like sk- <laughs> yeah, just saw I just saw them. I was like, wait, yeah. really? Creepy Sick. shit. <laughs> and then at the same time, my friend, my acquaintance, was doing a study abroad in Hokkaido, and I saw all her pictures online, and I was like, that looks so amazing. So, so my friend was like, yo, why don't we start studying Japanese together in college, and then the summer after we can both study abroad. And then I was like, oh, shit, okay. So that became my goal for the year, and after that, I started taking Japanese classes, and the more I took, and like. It's just the beginner stage was super fun because every grammar point was so ap- applicable. And eventually, mm-hmm. I um, uh, ended up going on a study abroad, and that changed everything. And ever since then, I always wanted to go back to Japan and live there. So was there, like, anything, like, very specific to Hokkaido versus, like, Tokyo, for example, that made you choose that? Or is it just because you saw your friend going out there in Hokkaido? Well, at the time, I'd never been to Tokyo. So one thing is I don't know what Tokyo would have been like, and I've been to Hokkaido, so I knew like it was going to be a great experience. Also, my friend was there, mm-hmm. so he was like, this is really amazing. At the time, I still had this complex where I was like, I want to be somewhere closer to nature, and like more Inaka. I don't feel the same mm-hmm. way anymore, but um, uh-huh. that's at the time, that's how I felt. <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, Hokkaido. Wait, but I, I know that on your JET application, you said that you, you wanted a place in Inaka, right? Yeah, that was, that was another period, too. Where I was like, yeah, maybe that's cool, too. Yeah, I know. I, I go back and forth. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm open. <laughs> yeah, I find Tokyo really cool too. <laughs> Let's see where Jack ends up for his jet. <laughs> see how he feels at that time. <laughs> oh my god. So you kind of, I guess you got a very homey feel to Hokkaido compared to the other ones, like more familiar. So I guess how was like I guess the application process, not of jet, but of getting and doing like a study abroad after that first year of learning Japanese. Do you, like, have a school in mind, or were you just, like, YOLO, like, whatever way I can get to Hokkaido, I'm going to get there? <laughs> I mean, I think I was really lucky that the, the study of our program that my friend did was in Hokkaido. So when I saw that, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was fate. I was like, I went to study abroad, and I was like, oh, Hokkaido? Fuck yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And then I also applied to this one in Waseda, but then um, a lot of people didn't have great experiences with that because they were saying how it's way less, less immersive, even though I thought... I mean, that could be cool, too, because people were just living on their own and exploring the city on their own. Uh, but I wanted mm-hmm. a more immersive experience. I like Hokkaido, so it's happened to line up that way. Um, when you went there, did you stay with the host family? Yeah, so I stayed with the host family. Everyone in the program actually stayed with the host family. So the program was like a really well-designed program where everyone kind of had to do certain things, and host family was a huge part of that experience. I see. So how's your host family like? Did you like them? I listened to the entire episode of Homestay. I was like, I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So, like Raza, I love my Homestay experience. That was definitely the best part about Hokkaido last summer for me. Like, I also feel like it was too good that, that I'm going to be disappointed when I land in Japan for my jet experience in some way. Because my whole time was, like, super open. And it really open to me doing anything. Like, if anything, like, if I wanted to stay out, it will be like, fuck yeah, go for it. So, <laughs> I think that was the best part. And then... Part of what made me want to do Jet is that um, I had a host brother at the time who, unlike Eric's experience, really cared about me and he, he really wanted to play with me. And then... She's <laughs> <laughs> um, like shitting on me. No, 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 oh no. no. <laughs> She's like suddenly like... Eric, come, like, fall, like Eric's <laughs> miserable experience. Mine was like so good. My host brother, his switch actually worked. Fuck you. Yeah, his switch worked when we play. I'm oh, just kidding. Yeah. Um, so... I didn't have much experience with kids till that point, and then um, I was really bad at kids. I still am in some ways, but then we got along really well, and then I think that's what made me realize that mm. I really like working with kids. I thought being on Jet would be so cool uh, because of that. So we had an amazing host family experience. I Actually, I got to meet Jack's host family because I think I mentioned it in another podcast, but um, it was like one of these times when I traveled Japan that I went to visit Jack's host family, and I stayed with um, him and his host family. Mm-hmm. And their host family was like super nice, and they brought. Um, there was like, another friend of ours, and they brought like the three of us to a bunch of different places, and I got to meet the host brother too, and he was super nice. I was like showing him like Minecraft stuff, even though I couldn't speak any Japanese. <laughs> but then, yeah, so like that that made me like more open to the idea of a host family. But as you know, it, it turned out differently. <laughs> yeah, on a positive note, though, hey. my uh, favorite moment of um, Eric and the host kid was uh, when they talk about Minecraft and showing each other. Eric didn't know any Japanese, but Eric was like, uh, Kuripa. And then my host, my host brother was like, ah, Kuripa. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are communicating. <laughs> and, and just so you guys know, um, on our Discord, Eric actually has a profile picture of something Minecraft related. <laughs> to go and find out what the profile picture is, come join our Discord and you can talk to Eric and see why he chose that as his profile picture. <laughs> but 
I get us getting back to your host family though. So, would, would so do they take you around a lot? Then they're just like, oh, I'm gonna show you all of Hokkaido and just really like t- like take you in. They definitely took me in like a lot, but I don't think it was like because they're also really busy with their own businesses. So it's not like they're like we're gonna show you all mm-hmm. of Hokkaido. But definitely like when they have when they have time, maybe like at least two three times a week, they'll take me around Hokkaido. It's like, oh, I really like this like uh place by like the lake or like I really like this uh cafe. Like this restaurant, or like one time, like they they know that I play guitar, so like one time, like yo, let's go see like this dude, like famous cover band. Um, so definitely a lot uh-huh. of stuff like that. And what was cool was that um, my host dad had his own Airbnb business, so he had a lot of guests over, and then he would take me around with the guests. So that was a really cool experience too. I see. Do you have a specific place in mind that you really liked going when you went with the Airbnb guest? It's really hard to beat um. So nighttime, if you go by, um, I forgot what this place is called, but it's like on the base of Hakodate Mountain, there's like a lot of like um, warehouses. Eric probably knows what I'm talking about. And at night, it's super pretty. Uh-huh. There's like a tiny ass bridge. I don't even know why there's a bridge here. It's clearly just for show, <laughs> but it's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, by wow. the warehouses. Yeah. And there's like, and there's a Starbucks there too. It's like right by um, like a lake. And it was completely destroyed during a tsunami, but then it's so pretty. Um, so definitely the warehouse area at night is my favorite place to go. And we walk around there a I lot. See. Actually, my favorite place when I went to Hakodate was uh, the, Jack's uh, family brought us to this one farm oh, where you could drink yeah. fresh milk oh, shit, that, was that you like squeeze from the cows. Uh-huh. And it was like you pay a set fee and you can have an unlimited amount of uh, milk. And they always had like, ice cream and just other like dairy products. And it was, it was just like the best milk I've ever had. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Damn, shout out milk out here. Yep. <laughs> Drink your vitamin yeah, D. Yeah, Hokkaido's great milk, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Hokkaido. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Hokkaido anymore, but go to Hokkaido. <laughs> I see. I, I know uh, Hokkaido is also known for a lot of their, like, specialties in terms of food. Do you get to try any of those, and what would you what would, what would you like? Yeah, oh my god. The biggest thing, another big thing for me during the study abroad was definitely the food. Um, so... I'm a huge sucker for ramen. Huge. Mm-hmm. So, I got into Shio Ramen while I was in Hakodate, because that's, uh, that's what they're known for. And at first, I didn't think uh-huh. I'd be into it, because Shio Ramen, for those who don't know, it's basically just like, really like, it's like non-oily like, uh, soup, which is like, Shio, like, with salt. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when I had it there, I was like, oh my god, this is the most <laughs> amazing, simple ramen I ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> And then I got a chance to travel to Sapporo a lot. And then one time I was there mm-hmm. for like uh, just a weekend. And then I had like six different ramen, ra- miso ramen places. <laughs> so definitely ramen was a huge thing. <laughs> Another thing was uh, soft cream for those who are into ice cream. Um, and then they're really known for their, I mean, milk and like the, mel- the, like the, the Hokkaido melon soft cream and like the milk. They're really amazing. So I think if you're into dessert or like ramen, I think you have a really great time in Hokkaido. How was the food that they prepared in? Oh, home? that was amazing. I mean, I don't want to talk shit about Eric's experience, but like that was just so amazing. <laughs> Wait, no, my, my, <laughs> my, they had great food at my place too. No, but you're like you're like you didn't get full. Yeah, but that that's just <laughs> that's just like because I, I I I need to eat a lot just because I I go to the gym. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But what so, do you mean? But I was like, <laughs> So I was like so full by every single meal they prepared. It was so good. Um, and then they'll keep asking me too, like, are you full? I was like, dude, I'm really full. Thank you. Thank you. 
<laughs> and then one time, like, I went to this like soba making, like experience making experience. Uh, oh wow! Agudate. And then so I had some soba. I went home mm-hmm. for dinner, and then I was like so full because I prepared so much food. I was like, oh my god! And then at the end of the summer, I gained like like a couple pounds. It was really amazing. Nice. I guess rewinding back to the soba making experience real quick. So how was that? You got to actually make the noodles. Um, thinking back, it was actually not that, like, interesting because <laughs> we didn't get to make the noodles. Yeah, I I don't remember that well, but I'm pretty sure like they uh, taught us how to cut the noodles. We each got cut, cut like a few strands, and then uh-huh. that's it. And then like <laughs> so we each got to cut a few <laughs> strands, right? And make like a tiny portion. Mm-hmm. In the end, they'll bring out like an amazing like remake. <laughs> Oh, we can eat. <laughs> at least scrapped all that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just threw it in the trash. <laughs> I was like, oh, how cute. Yeah. It was like, it was like amazing remake. <laughs> it was like, yeah, so you, you made part of this. Like, I did? I don't know. <laughs> <It'd be> amazing. <laughs> Trying to give you that, like, false satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. So, I guess getting back to the host family, though, what would you say is the biggest thing that you learned from them? Maybe not just from a like host family perspective, but in terms of like just a mm-hmm. family perspective, like it's really cool how like they both had their own businesses and like they did stuff on the side they liked, but at the same time they were able to keep mm-hmm. like a family together where they were like set rules where it's like okay, we'll at least try to have dinner together every single day even though we're every single night even though we're really busy, um, and that really opened mm-hmm. me up because before I was all like the marriage is like the end, you know, settle down and I can't do what I love, it'll <laughs> be work, go home, and then, but I think like they're really enjoying life and for example like uh, my host dad. Being married and with a kid, he actually got to go abroad to fulfill his dream of traveling around the world for three months. Like, they were supportive oh, enough wow. to do that. Um, so, that really opened me up. I was like, you know, it's it's possible to have a family life like that. Um, and I really didn't expect that because I was like, I had this image of Japanese people being, like, really, like, close-minded and, like, living just, like, the like a brutal life. But I was like, that's not true. So Yeah, I mean, there definitely are families like that. Yeah. Like, uh, like my. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't have to be like that. That's my point. Even in Japan. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have to be like yeah, that. Yeah, it seems to be a reoccurring theme here. Like, <laughs> shitting on Eric's whole family. <laughs> <laughs> it be like the running joke of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. like episode like 100 still talking about that. It's like, yeah, my my experience in Japan was bad, but not not to the extent of Eric. So that would be bad. <laughs> At least it wasn't like Eric. <laughs> Thanks oh for the sacrifice, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Eric was the one who paved the way for everyone else to get a better host family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how is the like cultural barrier and also language barrier? Like, how well could you speak Japanese when you arrived versus how well could you speak? Um, when you ended yeah so before I arrived I was like Genki 1 level for you guys know, I was like five first year Japanese level so I didn't even know mm-hmm. like really basic stuff grammatical stuff I should know so it's definitely a trouble there but like um, by the end I wouldn't say I'm like super fluent because like at the time I wasn't so passionate about Japanese learning per se the way I'm now or like, the way Eric is now too right um, but um, I was really comfortable speaking the language like I could go off the counter and order anything even if like I made like mistakes like I was really comfortable mm-hmm. having Japanese come out of my mouth. Um, and the fact my host family from day one, like, never really gave me, like, the guiding treatment really helped because they never, really, like, try to speak super slow. Um, so that really helped. And, uh, but again, I was definitely comfortable having Japanese come out, despite not being, like, super fluent. Yeah, I remember, like, that summer when I went and visited you, I was like, holy shit, like, 
I can't believe you're, he's so fluent in <laughs> Japanese. I really was not. I think that's like also like a fluency illusion where it's like when you're not, when you don't know the language, it just sounds like any fast speaking is, is like per- perfection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, a bit off topic, but when I was a kid, uh, like second grade, because my neighbor language is Chinese, like Eric's, and then my mom was speaking English at the time. And I was like, this is amazing. Wow. She's like bilingual. And then I moved to the US and was in fourth grade. And I was like, oh my God, her English is so bad. What? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that illusion. And my Japanese is definitely not that good. Yeah. But I, th- I think like living a host family is so valuable because it makes your language skills just like improve so fast. Yeah, definitely. I'll say so too. Well, like, just the idea of like living in Japanese because like we have this, these, well, like, Japanese are these things, right? Where like I'll go off and it'll be like, itekimasu, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll wake up and I'm like, my host will be like, ohayou gozaimasu, stuff like that. So I was like, I was like, oh yeah. my god, I'm like living in Japanese, so I was getting used to that. It's almost kind of weird when yeah. I went back home after I was like, I wouldn't hear like, oh hell, because I was like, take you out. I was like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Something's missing in my life right now. Yeah, it's missing yeah. In my life. I mean, it gets to the point where it's kind of like you don't really think that I'm speaking Japanese. It's just like oh, I'm speaking this language because right. I this is the language I speak to them, and it, you don't really think too much about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm not sure because I've only done a host family. I never lived in a dorm myself in Japan, but I remember feeling like, <laughs> like I've lived there for a really, really long time. I feel like I was actually part of the family. I was yeah. like, what? Why was, was I just like born in Japan? <laughs> there's like an like, illusion like sometimes. Of course, like, when I thought about like, of course not, but like, there's that illusion because I was in the host family and speaking Japanese. So I was like, yeah, it was really cool to get that illusion. <laughs> I remember when I got off the plane to return from my study abroad, and I was at the airport, and my brother was, like, picking me up. And I went to Starbucks to get a coffee because I was really tired. And when I got to the counter, I almost didn't know how to order it because I, I was, like, kind of, like, sho- like shocked because I was, I was so used to just ordering Japanese and also, like, the, the whole way that the transaction would go in Japan. Like, I would use my Suica mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was, like, so confused. Like, he's, like, I gave him my card, and he's, like, you should just swipe it over. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I didn't know how to order. He's, like, what do I say first? Yeah, and I, I feel like your vocabulary definitely takes a little hit when you come back too, because like all everything that you kind of built up, like you barely used for that entire time, and you come back and you're like, wait, like I, I usually say this, but it's not coming out right now. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> yeah. really weird. I definitely had that before too. Yeah, it was like my brain, like I think you guys talk about this too, where like there's like a lack of coordination between like a brain and like my mouth wants to say. I mean, that's kind of the way I feel right now in my Japanese, but I guess at the time coming back was like. English so it's definitely something people experience on study abroad so you also mentioned before that you went to Sapporo a lot so was that the only place you really traveled to or did you go other places within Hokkaido I went to other places in Hokkaido but they're like all between like Hakodate and like Hokkaido so for example like we had like some overnight trips for our program where we spent mm-hmm. like time in this like lake called like Onuma which is like we had like nice like traditional style hotel with like onsen karaoke stuff mm-hmm. like that um but not so much outside of those places like not like the most northern part which is funny because my friend eric visited me we're trying to plan a trip around hokkaido but it was just so difficult because i realized like probably have to drive <laughs> to get around <laughs> so, yeah. but i think that's kind of what that's kind of how the host man helps too my host family was like really busy but i had a friend mm-hmm. who was on the same program and he, his host family was like freer and really passionate about having host kid too. So like, they like took him around places in the cars everywhere. Yeah, they would drive into Sapporo 
on the weekend and come back. Oh. So <laughs> that's like that's like a like a four hour drive, something like that. Oh wow. Yeah, so wow. it was really amazing. So I think that's part of like having having a host family help too. And for me it was like just taking me around Hakodate in cars. I see. Going back a little to your entire experience at the lake where you had your traditional staying, um, you mentioned the onsen, and this is actually a topic we just covered. So <laughs> awesome. I was wondering, I was wondering, what was your first experience in the onsen like? <laughs> well, the first experience probably when I was a kid, so I don't remember. But the first experience I remember, uh-huh. let's see, so I went with my whole family to this uh, famous uh, place by the lake. And then somehow I remember it being like really smooth because my whole family kind of like took care of everything for me. It's like, oh, you do this, you do that. Although it's definitely kind of weird seeing them all naked. Because like, mm-hmm. definitely like, <laughs> like, as I said, I like this idea of Japanese people being like reserved and shit, right? So I was like, oh, maybe like, uh-huh. but I read it, read it before too, like, yeah. they just go naked. But still, like, when I saw it, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because my idea of Japanese, I was like, oh, they're reserved, right? I was like, I mean... Sure, but it's yeah. like still a tradition for him to just take the clothes off. Yeah. You open the door and it's like some wild shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think this is appropriate to talk about this on the podcast too, but like, with Eric, uh, January, and Onsen Osaka, we saw like his dad bring like, he, him bring like his young daughters into the Onsen where everyone's naked. With all these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Does that leave like some mark on her? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I've, I've mentioned that in the podcast. <laughs> In the Onsen podcast. Oh, you did? It's coming out. Awesome. What is worth bringing yeah. up again? Yeah. <laughs> you can listen more in depth about it if you go back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so after your study abroad program and after like, a couple more years of um, Japanese classes, did you always have plans like to go back to Japan? So it was always in the back of my mind, but I didn't know how. Like I knew about JET, but at the time I was like, teaching English, I was like, that's not really on my mind because I was like so career like oriented. Um, but then it really struck me one summer when I was interning, which was last summer, and I was, and Eric was going to Japan too. So it definitely served as like some sort of catalyst. And I was like, oh my God, I think it'll be so cool if I can fulfill this dream of going back to Japan. Because at the time when I told, I told my whole family too, I was like, my dream is to one day like live in Japan. And then I kind of forgot about it for like two years. And then it came back to me, it hit me. I was like, shit, I really got to do this. So I was like, oh, jet seems like the best way to experience that. But I also know that there was a time when you were just looking for normal jobs in Japan. Yeah, definitely. Too, right? Yeah. Like, um, what? So what made you decide to, like, do jet over a normal job, say in Tokyo? Yeah. Um, I feel like the cool thing about jet is that, well, one thing is that it's not something I'm used to. Whereas a job, it would just be like I studied that in school and then I go back to going to the office. I feel like I wouldn't get a, as complete a picture of Japan as I would like, because I'll probably just like. You know, Tokyo will be really fun. I go back home late at night and then eat all the stuff I like, but like I won't get to experience Japan. But the appealing thing about Jet for me was that I'll get time outside um, like uh, my classes to explore. And also um, I might be placed somewhere out in Tokyo so I can experience that site too. And if I ever want to go to Tokyo, I can you know look for a job or go to school there. So that's the appealing thing about Jet for me, the freedom, like a different perspective. I see. So did you actually... So you, you looked into other jobs, right? So did you apply or get any other offers other than Jet? Yeah, actually, um, so around the time I got my job, I got another job offer in Tokyo too. And and they were really, really cool. It was a really cool startup. And then, so I was actually kind of bent. I was like, oh my God, such such a cool working opportunity too. Because um, like people were really nice. Completely not like 
what I imagine Japan would be like. Like, they're really casual. We never use Kegel interviews. Um, mm-hmm. But then, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I think I still want to experience Jed now because, you know, the freedom, different perspective. If I go into this right now, then I'll never know what Jed's like. And I could always do that later. So eventually, I chose Jed over the job. Was it a hard decision? Like, were parents supportive? What, what do they think of you choosing to teach English over, say, like a normal career path? It's kind of hard at first, but like the more I, w- the more I thought about it, it was hard because I was like, it makes perfect sense. It's like, and I make money. I'm Tokyo. Tokyo seems so fun. Um, and it's a good career too. But then, if I strip back to the basics, I wake up in the morning. I think clearly. I'll like, but like, that's not even a question. I just want to experience shit. That's what I always wanted to do. And my parents are definitely not supportive at first because they're like, they just want me to have a career. Uh, especially coming from like an Asian background, too. So that's hard. But I think right now, like. They're, I don't think I don't know if they're supported per se, but like they definitely like don't give me as much shit for it. So was English teaching was English teaching like something you actually wanted to do, or was it just like a way for you to like go to Japan but not be locked down to like a salaryman lifestyle? I think like English teaching, I'm definitely don't like dislike. I I definitely have an interest in it, but just not like a thing like. Then the people don't meet, don't know me as like, oh yeah, Jack likes teaching English, but it's normally like, yeah, Jack likes Japan. Want to experience Japan? So I'm definitely, definitely more about that. So what about comparing Jet to like English teaching jobs in Tokyo? Did you look into that? As well? I looked into that. I did so much research because last summer I wanted to go to Japan so bad. Um, but the thing I realized was that all these like juku, so like cram schools, people taught at like they're first of all like super high stress. Was we'll just seeing that way because I do work like nine like 10 hours and i'm like um also like they're really focused on english teaching because jet even though we call it english teaching program it's really like we're assistant language teachers so we're assisting sometimes we're just like i heard that we might just be tape recorders we're like yo jack can you pronounce that word but like if i work in tokyo the english kaiwa table like juku and i'll be like one-on-one lesson i'll be like okay i had to you have to learn this today you have to in this hour right and like i said i'm not so big on like english teaching so Italian jet just seemed way more appealing. Yeah, I think in, in our previous podcast where we talked with uh, Dorian, he also talked about how as an ALT, you're basically just there to assist. So you don't really get any say in like how the course is designed and you're just there to help like, the teacher. But if you worked in a, a Kaiwa, then you have all the responsibility to like create the courses and it's just like a lot more pressure. And also like just the number of hours you work is it's just like exponentially more. Yeah, and f- but for those of you guys who are interested in going to Japan, though, what I heard is that it's e- really easy to go in Japan through like a Juku, like in a city, and you can choose like where you want to be placed. You can be like, oh, I want Tokyo, I want Osaka. It won't be like Jet, where it's like, I don't know where you're gonna be placed, bro. <laughs> so right. I can definitely see the appeal in that. <laughs> but for Jet, when you're applying, you can say you can say preferences, right? You can- can't you say like, I want to be in a big city? Yeah, but what I've heard is that they don't really take that into account much. Or in rare cases. But I think for most people, they're just like, yeah, they're completely out there. But I think some factors they take into account is your Japanese language ability and experience with Japan. I think they'll place you more in Inaka if, like, language ability is higher and, like, uh, you've been in Japan before. That's why in an interview, they have, like, a Japanese, like, quiz section to see where you're at. What was the entire, uh, like, application process like for Jet? Yeah, so you go, you log on to online portal. It's kind of like college application, so you need, like, personal statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's way more fun because it's like, why do you want to go? I was like, fuck yeah, I, know, I love anime, I love this. <laughs> and then um, you need record, lesser recommendation. 
and like placement requests, stuff like that. So it's like college vacation, but you're applying to like this program. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, you'll get notified whether you get an interview or not in January. And you go, you choose a location in the US. I think that's very important because a lot of people apply to jet when they're in Japan and just switching, trying to switch over to a jet job. They still had to fly to the US for an interview. Oh, wow. And they had to leave from the US. So you do your interview and then- Even with like, even with the coronavirus? I don't know about that. <laughs> it's a bit special this year. So <laughs> Jet has this thing where on the application you put down whatever you want to be considered for early departure. So what early departure is, is that you can be considered for departure in April versus September. And most people, but they actually canceled it this year because coronavirus. So everyone departs on September. I mean, even at this point, oh. it's kind of vague whether we're going <laughs> to actually be able to depart on time. But like early departure is not mm-hmm. even a question now. Yeah. yeah. I see. How's the communication been between you and Jet with all the stuff going on? There hasn't been. So our coordinator sends out emails every week, just like updates like, oh, you guys are like, they're basically like pointless. They're just like, oh, there's like some cool videos about Japan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we have like our own group of like Seattle Jets. Um, but mm-hmm. I said that much because like we messaged in a group, people are just like, oh, how are you guys preparing? We're like, oh, we're just waiting on my placement right now. So that's probably like, the main thing. I see. So you got this coordinator basically trolling you guys. Or he just goes on YouTube and searches like a random Japan <laughs> video. He's like, I, I, like <laughs> this is the newsletter, do, guys. Like, like, how to make mochi. <laughs> like, like, favorite, I don't know. I'm like anime in Japan. So I'm like, like I right, check out these videos, guys. Yeah. He's, he's going to be like one of those people like in a club who's like trying to hype everyone up, but is like not doing like a good job at all. He's like, who's hype for Japan? And it's like an empty ass room. Everyone's yeah, like, I think, what the fuck especially with like coronavirus this year, I think people are less hype because I look on Reddit. Like usually I think this time we'll be like, yo, placement, what's going on guys? But then there's like posts like, is Jet going to happen? Or like what should I expect from Jet? Stuff like that. Yeah. So definitely coronavirus is making it like more off-putting. Yeah. So you so your placement you said the Inaka, but right as of right now, where is the perfect place that you would want to go? Like, where do you see yourself? Like, if there wasn't a random placement, I think before going to Tokyo, because I never really explored Tokyo much before January, I had this idea of like, oh yeah, it's so cool to be in a different place, like Kansai, own accent. But then, actually, I think it'll be really cool to experience Kanto because I'll learn like the Hyojin Go and learn like a lot of, like the more mm-hmm. traditional ways for example like when i was traveling osaka with my friends uh the trains it was like really noisy but when you arrive in kanto mm-hmm. this is like it was like a drastic difference it was so quiet oh yeah yeah i remember so like when we were in um osaka and we, we took the train at night mm-hmm. it was every every person was just talking on the train and i think that's that's a cultural thing that happens where it's like they're not afraid to talk to strangers so like there was like a huge group pe- of people talking and then it turns out like they, they didn't even know each other. They just like started talking randomly. Mm-hmm. And then it and then like a few days later we went to Tokyo, <laughs> and then we got on this train, and I was like trying to talk to Jack, but then yeah. it was so quiet that I could barely even whisper to <laughs> without like people staring at us. <laughs> it was like it's like as if I was like in a hospital like op- operation room. Where oh, it's yeah. like has to be like pure silence. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I feel like Tokyo actually really embodies that. Like, it's literally part of the city where everyone just minds their own business. Like, I had this one story one of my friends told me. Basically, like, someone fell down and, like, got injured off, like, a bike, right? 
on, on like the sidewalk where everyone's walking and you know like Tokyo's super busy there's like a hell of people <laughs> walking on the sidewalk so if it was maybe somewhere else right you would probably have a bunch of people go around them and like ask them like oh like do you need help like I can help you up or should I call like an ambulance something like that right but this is what happened it's Tokyo <laughs> keep that in mind so basically people were just going around acted like the person didn't exist they're like walking around and then like because there's now there's like a log jam of people walking around right and people started walking over the person they're just like step like <laughs> just walking on top of the person and literally like paying no mind to the person like who's hurt and it's kind of like one of those things where it's like yeah like it's probably one of like the negative things about tokyo where people are so busy and they need to do their own thing where they like forget kind of some essentials you know it's like they don't pay attention i guess yeah, I think part of it, I'm not sure if that's what in Japan, but in Taiwan, so I was told by my parents that there's no, like, good, like, a good, like, law for protecting, like, people who help those people in need, sort of, like, good Samaritan law. Mm-hmm. So my dad was telling me as a kid how, like, I shouldn't try to help those people because, like, I might get in trouble. So I think, I suspect that there mm-hmm. could be part of that in Tokyo, too, along with, like, the fast pace of life, like you're talking about, people learning their own business. So maybe, like, even the law mm-hmm. doesn't support that kind of action. Yeah, definitely. It's, like, the thing where you have the classic situation of, like, a doctor on a plane and then someone's, like, getting, <laughs> like, like they're, they're having a problem. But if the doctor, like, helps and something happens to the person, then the doctor is fully liable because they, like, help. So yeah. it, like, discourages doctors to actually help people in need outside of their practice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know, like... U.S. especially like Seattle is like really good laws protecting that. Um, but I'd like to go back a bit more on like the Osaka versus Tokyo topic though. So I think it's cool how I think on one of the episodes you guys talk about how Japan just feels really safe. But I mean, it's just me and Eric went to the station in Osaka when we walked out at night. Uh-huh. And it was just me and him. And it actually felt kind of scared. It actually kind of felt kind of unsafe. It's the first time I felt that in Japan. That was in Osaka. And yeah. when we landed in oh, Tokyo, yeah. Actually, it felt yeah. like Wonderland. I was like, oh my god, it's so calm. And then so safe I, mean, I also feel like in osaka like the stations are like so different right like the trains are like a little different too and you come out and it's like a kind of a different vibe you kind of get out and it's you kind of just get into the city right away there's not like too much going on compared to these giant tokyo stations where you have like all these like stores and kombini is like a random station in osaka versus a random station in tokyo it's like completely like completely different i think a, hu- a huge thing is also like the cleanliness because like in osaka there's so many people just littering everywhere i think i suspect that has mm-hmm. to do with like the tourists um a lot uh-huh. of times but still like we saw that a lot in osaka that we didn't see so much in tokyo so mm-hmm. when i was in tokyo eric took me around uh ikebukuro he's like yeah this is like the dirtier district i was like it doesn't feel like it because i came from Os- we came from osaka <laughs> did i say that yeah he- <laughs> <laughs> It's like more chaotic and dirty. I was like, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> okay. Actually, I think Shibuya is like one of the dirtiest. The yeah, there's too many people. But in Osaka, a lot of the stores, they just had their trash up front, like in front of the store. And it was like, it's like kind of disturbing because it'd be like a food store and they'd have like, just like a pile of trash in front of it. It'd be like cockroaches. <laughs> oh, shit. And then um, what was funny was uh, the Airbnb we stayed at, there's like a park near it mm-hmm. and it's just like, do not litter. <laughs> but right beside the sign is like a bag of trash <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I guess getting back to jet though now moving forward you're waiting on your placement you're waiting to see if jet like still happens 
what what is your ideal scenario like what do you want your honeymoon phase to be what what do you want to feel as soon as you get off that yeah. plane in japan yeah walk, walk us through your uh, first couple months <laughs> oh, or shit. even like your one-year plan of being jet like wh- what do you imagine what's gonna happen i mean i imagine like the first month in japan right so i go through we have orientation in tokyo so i imagine it'll just be really fun where we just go out drinking and explore tokyo with like fellow like like americans but then like after that go my placement i settle in right and i imagine like if i say i buy stuff like konbini and i'll just make friends with like people in konbini like in the school, people are nice, and then, like kids will be nice. Do you think? Do you think that's possible? <laughs> like just make friends with people in the Konbini? I have that image right now because I have a friend who's like loving jets so much. He's like, dude, it's so amazing. I am friends with this guy. Give me free food. This guy too. This old song. So that's my image right now. Like, <laughs> first month Japan, done deal. Let's go. All right. When we go and revisit this, we're gonna ask you how making friends in the Konbini went for you. We should actually just. Put the podcast like back to back, like before after it was save, save yeah. <laughs> instant contrast. <laughs> See how it goes. Yeah, imagine like I'll just have like so much like connections that wouldn't really matter down in the countryside per se. Because it'll be like I can always like hang out with people. Because that's how my friend describes it. I was like, yeah, sounds good. Um, that's my first couple months in Japan. It's something those connections. I feel like that's my honeymoon face. Yeah. So, so you, you kind of briefly mentioned it there, but you expect yourself to end up in the Inaka. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just like. Yeah, like, how do you think you'll feel when you open up that email and it has your placement on it? Do you feel? Do you think you'll feel like super excited? Do you? Do you think you'll feel like a little bit down, disappointed, almost like I should not have turned down that? No, like, I don't. Pretty I don't good know. job in Tokyo. I, there's no scenario <laughs> where I'll be like, I should not have turned down that. I should not have turned down the job. I think that'll be, that'll be a scenario. So, what's the worst case scenario? I'm bad with like cold places, so I think if it's like really north in the rural Hokkaido, then I'd be a bit down because I'm really bad in cold places. But I'll still be open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But definitely, I think like if it's like super knockout place, maybe it's like a place I never heard of. Maybe like initial feeling will be like kind of like down. We'll be like, oh. But in the second moment, we'll probably be like, oh shit, but it's still Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like jet. Mm-hmm. So definitely. There's definitely like, there'll definitely be a difference. It's not just like any placement, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this Japan? Beijing. Yeah, until they just hit you with a completely different country. Like we opened a branch, like in fucking. Like, we opened a branch in China. Like you're going there now. The coronavirus. Pyongyang. Pyongyang. All right, so I guess let's move on from um, making friends in the konbini during your Tokyo <laughs> orientation. So I've actually heard of some gaijin who, like, after they go to Japan, in the in the beginning, they try to make friends, um, especially in the konbini. And I heard this one story where um, this girl like just went up to the the staff in the konbini, like, "Hey, the weather's like really bad today, huh?" And then the konbini they just like ignore them, it's, like hype. And then, like, just, like, continue doing the, <laughs> doing the, the procedure. Because, <laughs> like, for them, it's, like, they're so, it's so awkward for them, mm-hmm. right? Because when they're working a normal job, they're so out of the zone. They, like, their mind goes to, like, a completely different place, and they're just, like, a robot. Like, I'm just doing this thing, yeah. and I'm, like, completing a different island right now, like, mm-hmm. different world. Yeah. So it's, like, it's hard to, like, access their personality. Yeah, that's why I feel like maybe being in Inaka would help. Because definitely, like... Even though Hakodate wasn't quite Inaka, the feeling I got was that people were more open to like talking to me about stuff. Even in Starbucks, they were like, they were like, oh, do you like, do you like say this guy? Do you like this guy? I was like, holy shit, Starbucks, they're asking me these things. 
Yeah, I mean, the real question, though, is, is there going to be a Starbucks? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's like, there's no Starbucks. Hey, hey, guys. No hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Okay. Surprising news. Okay. Breaking news. There's a Starbucks even a place like Toyama. <laughs> yeah, but there's. I've seen a lot of convenience where, like, in the Yaka, where they, they actually don't operate, like, 24 Yeah, they probably don't. And they have, like, yeah. really short hours. Because <laughs> they all they all leave the Inaka when they're young. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the young people they just like go to Tokyo when, when as soon as they graduate high school. Oh huh. yeah, I yeah. can see that. So in a way, I kind of have that fantasy too of like maybe if I do jet and then go to Tokyo, I'll be like, yeah, I'm like going to Tokyo. Yeah, you'll you'll be one of the people coming in from the Inaka traveling. Yeah. Like I I I know both. I know the country yeah. and now I know the city. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll meet, like, these, like, new gaijin in Tokyo working. I'm like, no, no, dude. I, you don't know Japan. <laughs> you know, you, you're, you're you too haven't unculture. seen the shit I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Like, some I've PTSD some shit. flashbacks coming. It's like a flickering kombini. Like, it's just closed. Yeah. That's, like, the PTSD. Like, yeah, like, I can't I can't go to kombinis anymore. <laughs> not, not after Toyama. <laughs> Oh, dude, dude. like waiting at the bus stop for like five hours you're like I, I can't anymore you see like a bus coming in like every like five minutes in Tokyo you're like make it stop make it stop <laughs> like some old person when you're in Tokyo some old lady like old grandma walks up to you ask her directions you're like get the fuck to change your location with Jen. now dude i looked into that dude i was like yo what about like you know in that guy tokyo <laughs> oh. you already looked into know. that you already know <laughs> you're like preparing yourself for what's to come yeah. <laughs> no i just like it'd be cool if like in that kind of like, you know tokyo but yeah it's not an option because i think people <laughs> a lot of people want tokyo so yeah yeah, it'd be funny, like, they send you, like, Toyama, and then you just go and, like, reply to them with, like, a, a JPEG picture of an Uno reverse <laughs> car. You're like, yeah, fuck you. Why would you go to Toyama? <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny if we do the follow-up interview, like, a year In later, Japan. Like, How's Jeff been? And he'd be like, uh, actually, they gave me Toyama and I rejected it. And I went back to the Tokyo job. <laughs> <laughs> rejected Jeff. So, I guess, like, final thoughts on this, though. So, for Jet, do you, like, we, we kind of hinted at this before, but do you, do you see yourself as it maybe being, like, a one-year, a two-year, or maybe even a five-year, and moving forward from that and just staying in Japan afterwards as well is that kind of the plan or are you gonna kind of like feel it out yeah like not even jet but just like your timeline and like how long you want to stay in japan i think i'm definitely going to feel it out um but i just think that in my mind right now two years seems like a good time to reevaluate my options because mm -hmm. i can totally see it going so many different ways it could be like two years like okay it was good or like it was tough and i'm like i want to go back to you know us or taiwan or it could be like that was not bad. I want to experience more, so I want to go to Tokyo. So I think, to me right now, picture two years is like a good time frame. Right. And I'll definitely feel out as I go. Do you think that 
the world of becoming a salary man in Tokyo is something you're open to? Like, let's say after two years, you're kind of done with English teaching. Do you think you would um, have that open as an option to you where you go back to being a salary man in Tokyo? Yeah, I'm definitely open to the option. Because for one thing, I think it's the easiest way to get in Tokyo. And I don't mind doing it for like a little bit. Even though I can't definitely... I mean, I guess with, with, as with anything, Jet or Japan, I don't see myself doing it long term. As of right now. So just feel as I go. Do you, do you envision yourself working in like an all-Japanese environment when you go to Tokyo? Or do you, do you think like you'd be more comfortable working in uh, Gaishike, which, which is like a, a foreign company where you speak English? I think probably Gaijin K, but then probably one night like Gaishike. 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 Yeah. Gaishike. K is like almost like derogatory. <laughs> Sounds like a, sound like a, like a sports drink for Gaijin. Gaijin K. <laughs> Gaijin Dash K. Yeah. Like in like some Decavita C type Muke, shit. Yeah. Like Gaijin K. <laughs> yeah, so Gaijin Muke. Yeah, like some Japanese people in there too, but like we'll speak English. Uh, so that's how I imagine it. Yeah, I mean I follow a lot of um, jet YouTubers, and I think that's kind of what they do. So that's why it's kind of implanted in my mind right now that that's an option I could do after jet. I see. And also, um, when I was researching um, a lot of people's experiences doing jet, a lot of um, jet people they often pursue something on the side just because they have so much free time when they're being a ALT. And some people start YouTube channels, some people uh, pursue their like creative hobbies. Are there any, any things like that that you think you wanna like pursue to a, to a great level while you're being ALT? Yeah, so I play a lot of guitar and I play in my band since like, uh, since like high school. So I think I definitely wanna continue doing that and make more songs. For like one idea I have, I'm not sure how long it's gonna go, but I wanna start Instagram uh, where I just like play guitar and it could be like Japanese songs too and like it'll be like short clips or like one minute clips so I see people can see oh one minute one minute and if I want to dig in it can be like, like two minutes like with like Instagram video so that's one thing I want to do um but besides that I'm open to like I was talking about before too like if I meet a guy who's also interested in the same things be in music or Japan then I'm down to like you know me start a blog together make you make videos together um so I just like some ideas of what I want to do, but there's no one right now was like, yeah, I'm going to be a YouTuber, stuff like that. So do you, is like music your greatest passion that you want to pursue? Definitely, yeah. I see. And Japanese, I guess. Japan. I see. That's why I want to go to Japan. But you can't really just be like, you can't just really be like, my goal is Japanese because that's like just a language, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think my goal is Japanese for sure. I mean, I still keep up like, you know, my Anki and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but I think for me, it's more about the experience because to me, like, even if I like, go to Japan for like see a year and I hate it. Then to me, like it's like it's it was my it was my dream to go to Japan, live there. So it still would have been worth it. So great. We are all looking forward to hearing about Jack's experience in Japan. But we're gonna and we're gonna <laughs> be there and we're gonna see how it happens. Get get ready to check back in for Jack's yeah. episode when he's come when he's experienced <laughs> Japan for a couple of weeks. We'll go check in in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> And in the next episode, we're actually going to have a jet, a seasoned jet of three years, right? Yeah, three year seasoned jet. And we're going to hear his experiences and stories and whether or not he would recommend it. <laughs>
Can I wait for that? I'm already committed to that. Can't wait. <laughs> like, actually, guys, Jack Nero went to jail. <laughs> he watched the next episode yeah. and he was like, oh no. <laughs> no, I'm like, can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> Alright, I think that's a good point to go and wrap it up, though. It was great having you on, Jack. You were, we really loved having you. We really liked hearing about your study abroad experiences and how you're about to go to JET and what your initial thoughts are. And we're really excited to hear where you end up getting placed. And for all of you that want to know where Jack gets placed, make sure to join our Discord because he will be having an announcement specially in our Discord. So if you guys want to yeah, find that's out, right. That's right, guys. he will be doing it over there. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been it's my pleasure. And I'll continue to follow every episode. Huge so fan. where do you want or so where can everyone follow you, Jack? Uh, I'm on personal Instagram right now. Uh, they can probably follow me on that, even though I don't post too much about Japan. Um, it's Jack with uh, L-O-Y-Y, so A letters on Instagram. Jack's Instagram link will be in our description below. Make sure to check him out. Stay tuned for maybe some content coming. Who knows? Get some music in there with the, your guitar. You'll see how it goes. I mean, next time we talk to Jack, he might be the top musician in Japan. So, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> so we, yeah. we are looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, guys, for listening to the Kodakata Podcast. Hope you like this episode with Jack. We're definitely going to follow up with him after he's been settled down in Japan for a while. And we're going to see how he likes it. But in the meantime, please support us on Patreon. You can follow us on Discord, on Twitter, YouTube, and Spotify. Make sure to like and subscribe. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>